Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. The show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are around this wonderful world that we're all golfing in and residing in. It's a warm welcome from Sydney in uh, his second stint in a quarantine after traveling the globe, uh, coaching uh, some of the great golfers of the young and up-and-coming golfers of the world. Jamie Glazier, welcome welcome back to Australia. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Roscoe. Yes, it's been uh, a little bit of time since we've done an episode, and this is actually only my first stint in quarantine. I have been able to um, sidestep that for 12 months, but uh, yeah, I'm halfway through day seven, so I had the pleasure of being interrupted uh, from an earlier Zoom session this morning by the fire alarm going off in the hotel that um, was quite interesting, luckily a false alarm, but um, no, quarantine's been, uh, I suppose, as I expected, um, but you know they've done a great job contacting us every day, um, looking after us as best as they can, so yeah, been interesting. My apologies, I forgot that uh, you, and I mean this in a positive way, you avoided uh, the need for quarantine when you were in the Queensland New uh, Victoria scenario, but um, yeah. But this yeah. is the first time. So because you just come back from a, a business trip, a work-related trip uh, to the US yeah. with your US-based athletes for a number of weeks, obviously five weeks or so. So in today's episode, you know, we should catch up about that and tell us uh, what you learned and what you experienced while you were over there. Yeah. And I think that might form a little bit of the discussion after we've been sort of chatting before the podcast. Um just some of the things that you observed, you know, the differences between how you know, your American-based athletes, you know, handle their situations and scenarios in developing their performance and, and what you experience with, you know, everyday golfers, club golfers and your elite athletes over here and just some of the general differences that you, you observe. But, but firstly, what was that five weeks in America all about, mate? Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. It was obviously haven't been, had a chance to get over there for a, for a whole year. It was almost a year to the day that I was there last time that I had to uh, cut a trip short because of COVID. I was there um, with JD at tour school um, and had planned a good stretch of events with Ruff and, and Gabby and some other clients, uh, but had to cut that short. So it was really great to get back and, and work with them face-to-face. I uh, had the WGC with Herbie, which was um which is a really good learning week again for us, which um, that old saying, if you don't win, you learn. That's what we certainly did. We learned a lot that week and um, was able to spend some time with JD, um, Austin, Matty Snyder in Vegas. Uh, I went to a corn for event with Ruff and uh, and was able to spend a, a good few days with Gab, um, which we all know she just recently turned pro. So that was, that was great. Made a cut in her first LPGA event as a pro. And again, just really good to catch up with everyone, re, sort of reset where we are and then, and then build a framework on, developing their mental game and strengthening those foundations moving forward. So a busy five weeks for me. I didn't, uh, I had one afternoon off um, in five weeks, but uh, it was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And, um, you know, America is a very different place at the moment than Australia from a COVID point of view, it's quite open. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they, I was going to say they're they're doing a good job, but they're obviously not doing a good job. But um, yeah, it's interesting how open they are compared to, uh, to, to Australia, but um, Having a bit of freedom felt good for uh, for a while, and I didn't get anything. I didn't get sick, or didn't get COVID, or um, or didn't come across anyone that got it. So um, yeah, it was good. When, so when you say freedom, you know, obviously I experienced the the height of one of the 
you know, longest lockdowns in, in the planet, uh, being in, in yep. Melbourne and some of the other parts of the world that we and my family are now are, are experiencing similar levels of lockdown. And, and, and you just mentioned that you know, the American population have been running with a fair degree of freedom. What, yep. what is it like on the ground over there? Is it just like everyone's just going about it normally? Are we masking? Are we socially distancing or is it just normal? Yeah, they're, so they're pretty open. Like I, the only in, in Florida, they're very open. Masks are mandatory, which is great. And social distancing and sanitizing and all that's all very much front and center. So, you know, it was actually, when I said before, you know, they're, they're, they're doing a good job. I mean, obviously the numbers don't tell, don't tell that story, but on the ground, they're doing a great job, you know, um, keeping the cities open and uh, Vegas was a little bit different, still very much open, masks mandatory, but um, there was a little bit of a restriction in some of the restaurants and things compared to Florida. But um, yeah, look, I think everyone was very respectful of one another. I thought there might've been a lot more people out there that were going against, I'm not wearing a mask and all that, um, all that stuff. But no, it was for the most part, everyone was very understanding of one another. And um, it was actually, yeah, it was really good to be over there. Now, all of those athletes, pretty much everyone that you mentioned, they've all been uh, kind enough to be a guest on the podcast at some stage during the last 12 months. One of the big shifts in your athlete group there is with uh, young Gabby turning professional. Yeah. As, how was that transition and how is she going getting set for us? She's what, play, maybe played a couple of events now? Played one event. So played a mini tour, then played one event as a pro. Um, I think she has a Symmetra event next week and then the ANA Inspiration which is a big event um, one of the uh, one of the majors the week after so uh, but then from there schedules a bit up and down because she's going to have to rely on invites only this year um, so yeah um, but no look her first event which was uh, in Florida at Lake Nona where I was staying um, was was great that was the week of the WGC with Herbie unfortunately so I'd already already committed to to being with Herbie at the WGC but uh it was really good. She didn't have her A game, but she made the cut, finished, you know, early 30s, I think, in that event and a really good solid start, um, even though she, you know, in her mind, she sort of had a B game or, or C plus game. So, um, so yeah, so she's, you know, in a, in a good place and uh, really excited to um, start this sort of new venture in her life. She'd be fairly confident going into the A&A inspiration, you'd think, you know, in her hometown over there in Palm Springs. She yes. Yeah. I would, I would think she's looking forward to that. She, uh, um, had a good result there last year, and yeah, that was one of the major. She finished top fifteen in. So yeah, I think uh, I think she's going to enjoy it quite a bit. Do in the time that you've you know that year that you had with no face to face contact, where you know, in previous years it would have been far more regular. Yeah, you've obviously been managing the training environment via a Zoom format, which we'll talk about in a yeah. minute. You know, we do have something exciting to share um, as well, talking about Zoom. Um, yeah. for, for the inside golf uh, guests and so on and so forth. But how has that been? When you get to the face-to-face time after not seeing each other face-to-face for a year, has everything happened exactly as you would have expected or you know, do you have to reconnect a little bit or do you, I think you know what oh, I mean? Look, I think, yeah, definitely. It's, um, I mean, for Gab and I, we've worked together for quite a while. So getting that connection back and that, that you know, just that, that rapport back, that, that's generally pretty quick. That doesn't take too long for us to reconnect on, on that level. But um takes a little bit of time to reconnect with, okay, what's actually been happening? Because as much as we like to try and manage the training environment and not control the training environment, but understand the training environment, it's not that easy. You know, when you get over there, it's like, okay, well, things are not quite done the way we'd like. The more you've just, you know, moved on to something a little bit different and that's going to change the, the cognitive landscape in which you're functioning in. And so there's, you know, it's really great to get that face-to-face time because, 
you can discuss things and you know I spend I'll spend a whole day or two whole days with her so what we can unpack in that two days is you know so much more valuable than just a, a zoom here and there and all that sort of stuff so um yeah it was really really great to get back to face to face with everyone and uh you know put a put a really good strong blueprint together for what we're sort of working towards over the next three to six months jd has he bounced back after his uh, injury yeah he's he's gone well he uh he has been uh he had a new coach a few months ago so He's just finding it a little bit difficult at the moment to transfer some of that technical development to, to the golf course and into to results. So he had tour school, uh, Canadian tour school last week and, and didn't play great and, and didn't get his card, but he's got the next event on the Latin tour next week. So hopefully with a little bit of fine tuning, he can um, yeah he can get back out there and uh, put some numbers on the board that, uh, that he knows he's capable of. Just before you left, you released another program on the inside golf academy which we should talk about briefly and the art of the pre-shot routine and a number of people have subscribed to that program but just to remind everyone what what is yeah. what can everyone expect when they jump onto inside golf academy and load up that program which uh, i think they can get with a bit of an offer at the moment for the next few days what, what yeah. should respect uh, expect just as a bit of a reminder um yeah that's that, that pre-shot routine course is uh, really going into depth uh, around the different components of the pre-shot routine. So I've broken it down into clarity, confidence and commitment, the three different stages, the cognitive sort of stages of a, of a routine or a, of a high level performance. So um, we just sort of break down different processes, different ways of helping you know, golfers to create clarity, helping them understand how to maintain or increase confidence and then also ultimately step into being able to fully commit to a shot. So, um, you know, there's four different um, sections of that course. Uh, I, I can't remember. I think it's close to two hours of, of content. Um, so a lot of video content and, and sort of learning uh, ex exercises along the way um, that's going to help them to sort of put together a really powerful sort of pre-shot, in-shot uh, process that's going to help them under some sort of competitive pressure. Talking about the pre-shot routine, yeah, you know that I've just come back from my first ever visit to the wonderful uh, Tasmanian shores, and it was great to get back on the plane uh, for myself and see an airport that was you know pretty pretty active. Um, last time I was at an airport, yeah. it was dead, but uh, it was yeah. great to see an active airport. It was great to get onto a plane, go to another state, but I was going to Barnbogle for golf, which I'd never been to in all these years, and it was amazing. Uh, talking about pre-shot routines, I had 94 opportunities to practice my pre-shot routine because we played 94 holes in two and a half days. Um, it was an interesting experiment or exp an experience in the same breath. Um, the trip started, you know, we met one of the travelling party, uh, there was four of us, so three went on one plane and one went on another plane. We, he jumped in the car and he said, oh, I've just been listening to this great podcast called the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. And the three guys around me were chuckling because uh, he said, oh, you know, you know the other bloke. And he started talking about it. And yeah. he said, oh, and they, and they were talking and they were talking and they were talking. And then they were, you remember, he's the one, the, the other guy in the back there, talk, the one talking. It was quite, quite, an, oh, interesting, that's awesome. quite an interesting surreal experience to, um, you know, be talked about right. and sitting behind in the, in the passenger seat. Um, yeah. But we had 94 opportunities to practice our um, pre-shot routine. And it was yeah. interesting. It was interesting to see that um, pack itself, you know, when you're condensing so much golf into such a short period of time, as opposed to what would happen usually for a club golfer like myself, where you play on Saturday, you play 18 yeah. holes, and that's the only 18 holes you've got for that week or that fortnight, you know, for most people that sort of work and yeah. have a normal nine to five routine. Um, it was interesting to see it just sort of be different and, yeah. 
And I really had, you know, and, and what I'm saying is I really felt like I had the opportunity to, to put it into practice and to really yeah. sort of pack in some training. Um, yeah. And I wonder, and I was just wondering, you know, I was trying to just sort of reflect is that might be the same as when you condense your work in with your athletes, when you go to five weeks with the guys and spend two or three days with them and really pack a lot of stuff in. For me, yeah. I, I feel like I've come away. I didn't play. I didn't tear barn boogle a new one. Absolutely not. But I really do feel like condensing a lot of golf in really gave yeah. me much deeper connection to what we were trying to do because we've been talking about it while you've been away. Um, yeah, yeah. As opposed to just 18 holes, getting frustrated and then yeah. checking out until the next week. Yeah, no, definitely. That that sort of, you know, more intense sort of volume of holes and volume of repetitions in a short period of time really does does two things. One, it probably fatigued you like no end. You've probably never been so fatigued in your life mentally, but it also helps for you to keep learning and fine-tuning and, and, and developing. And, and, you know, your routines might be fluid and changing over that you know, 94 holes, but at the end point, you probably got to a point where you had good clarity over this is what I need to sort of turn into a consistent process when I get back home. Cause that's what, that's what those sort of, you know, condensed type of uh, training environments are like. So, so saying that, what did you learn about your process, your routine, what really worked well or that you need to feed into something consistent and what did you learn that, you know what I thought was good, but it clearly wasn't. Uh, well, I, I learned that, in terms of, you know, we've talked about my game and my strengths and my challenge points and, and the areas for development, and, and, and they are clearly still those. And I've been able to, I guess, separate that it's just really technical that I've got to, you know, the short game part of it really have to fix by getting, having more competence in that area. Because there are many, 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 many great shots I hit from going through a process and putting a good swing on it and doing the things that, you know, I've worked with Dom on, especially in that short game area. But, you know, I never felt, I guess the thoughts creep in that have done in the past where, oh no, here I am again. I've hit a 295 meter drive. I've got 55 meter chip shot. This is where it all starts to unravel. I never felt like that. Yeah. yeah, And, yeah. You know, and, and if it did work, it worked and it worked okay, or it worked really well. And sometimes it didn't work. And I, you know, the, the turf, you know, and I, I did catch myself sort of making excuses like going, oh, the fescue, it's a bit soft. I was expecting it to be harder. You know, the new wedges that I bought, I shouldn't have bought those. I know that because I should have bought the 14 degree bounce and blah, blah, blah. And I just caught myself doing, doing, doing that, which was not serving yeah. me at all. And I knew that wasn't yeah. the reason. Yeah. But, well, the good thing, the, the great thing is there is you sort of fluctuated between two different elements of what we've worked on with your mental game, that, that emotional baggage surrounding your fear, lack of confidence with the shorter, the shorter shots, you've gotten to a point lately where you are, I suppose, identifying with that part of your game as a competence thing and a competence thing only, not an emotional thing. Mm. So when you step up to a shot and you just go, okay, well, my competency level here isn't that great, but I'm not dragging any of that negative emotional baggage with me um, then it allows you at least to step in and focus on better competency with a bit of an understanding or acceptance for whatever outcome it might create so but when we drag that 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 lack of confidence that's based on poor outcomes that's based on poor competence when we drag the emotional component together with the lack of competence that's when we start to just see almost like 
a gray cloud, a dark cloud over us whenever we get in that situation. So separating the emotional from the competence um, at least helps, to, helps you to see that situation a bit clearer when you're there and helps you to accept it a little bit more, which, um, which ultimately helps you to, to be more competent. Yeah. And the part, you know, reflecting on the part of my game that is, you know, competent, you know, and uh, therefore more confidence, you know, it was really good to see that perform. It's one of the finest Lynx courses I've ever played. And I've been lucky to play Lynx courses in Scotland and Ireland, not too many, but enough to know that that course stands up there alongside any of them in terms of fun, design, all of that, but penal and brutal if you're not on your game. And, uh, yeah, it was good to be able to see, you know, that long part stand up there and, and, and really having that routine go in. And, and one yeah. of the other guys started talking to it, talking to me about it. And you know, I just sort of went through, cause he'd, he'd listened to the podcast and he said, well, what does that mean to you? I'm struggling to understand how to, how to do it here in this environment. I said, well, you know, without going into it, I said, but you know, have you watched me put my club face on my hand every time that I step into every shot? You know, yeah. yeah. I said, well, that's part of, you know, whether it's your glove ripping on or off, but that's that's my yeah. little trigger. And after yeah. I take that club off my hand, I am then ready to hit that shot and execute it. And every shot's different. You know, it, uh, the wind and the conditions asks you to play a different shot every time. No shot, no two shots are the same. I said, yeah, yeah I, I watched that. So it was just interesting to see that part of that game sort of stand up, which was which was good because the conditions yeah. and the, the target lines and all of that are pretty pretty tough. Yeah, and the good thing I've I've been getting a lot of messages from people that have, have sort of signed up to the programs and the anchoring component to you know some of the courses the pre-shot um the anchoring component has been one of really uh, i get a lot of messages saying the anchoring components really helped me to to commit to that process and to narrow my attention and to feel you know feel that i'm going to actually hit a good quality shot so which is great to hear that people are committing to that anchoring process because it is a it is a very powerful one for sure now, one thing that did happen that I noticed, um, you know, in a group of four grown men hanging out for two and a half days playing 94 holes of golf is there was a bit of banter and a little bit of chat and a little bit of niggling, a little bit of putting each other under pressure. And I think, you know, in talking to you about what you experienced with similar groups of guys, maybe, and girls, uh, in the States, just the, the difference in the language patterns, just the difference in the way that uh, the two... I guess groups, the Aussies the, and the Americans go about things, and I guess you yeah. want to pack a bit of that as well. Yeah, definitely. Look, it was, um, you know, there's the, the whole tall poppy syndrome here in Australia has been something that's discussed a lot, and I get a lot of questions, uh, and it's brought up a lot in conversations with clients about how their upbringing, they can see how that has created a pattern of diffusing how good they feel about themselves, just, you know, putting a lid on it. They don't want to come across as being too confident, too arrogant. Um, you know, they just need to need to sort of keep a lid on it. And what they found is over time, that is actually starting to create quite an unproductive pattern in the way that they view themselves. It might be an innocent process and something that sounds, uh, you know, really, really innocent. The, the patterns that happen beneath the surface and behind the scenes are one that you actually just start to tell yourself that you're not as good as what you are. You're always diffusing how good you should feel about yourself. And ultimately that just becomes quite a toxic, toxic pattern and, uh, and just weakens that, that image you have around yourself. And it again became very apparent when I was in the U S and spent time with my U S clients and just time around, uh, a lot of different, you know, US, uh, US people in general, whether it be a dinner and 
the way they talk about themselves and the way they talk in general is one is one of them. They not that they talk themselves up and they're super arrogant, but boy, they don't have a problem telling you that they're quite good at something. And yeah. from an Australian point of view, yeah, I, for years I might have had a not a not a negative association to that, but I can say, oh, geez, you know, he's a, he's a bit full of himself. But the more time I've spent in the US now, I realise. That's how they've been brought up to be. That's how they've been built, so to speak. And that's why I would probably say I've never come across more overachievers than I have in America versus maybe underachievers. I would probably say there's a lot more underachievers in Australia. I'm going to say that that's got a lot to do with the tall poppy syndrome and the putting a lid on telling people how good you are or even to a certain degree telling yourself how good you are. Um, because we want to come across as being nice and humble and all that sort of stuff, which is great. But, you know, when it comes to that relationship you have with yourself, it, uh, it can certainly create a fairly unproductive language loop. What What do you think, you know, if you're a young golfer who's got some ambition, if you're a young golfer who is already playing at a higher level, or if you're a, you know, everyday club golfer that, you know, wants to improve their performance levels and, and know their self-talk and their mental approach is one of the keys to getting ahead with that. Are there any techniques or any training that they can do to move more towards that type of language pattern rather than, you know, hang on, Buster, don't get ahead of yourself here because, you know, your, your parents and your grandparents before you and their parents told you that you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, young fella, because, you know, you'll just get shot down and be brought down a peg or two. There's definitely a, a variety of different processes and exercises that, people can start to, to practice on a daily basis to start to recreate uh, a different language loop, a different cognitive environment that's being created. Um, you know, simple things like affirmations, for example, you know, just creating a short, sharp statement that is based around that person feeling good about what they're doing. You know, every day in every way, I'm becoming a, you know, a more competent and more confident iron player or whatever it might be. We don't have to have this outward arrogance and as you rock up to the clubhouse, you know, an hour before tea time, tell everyone how good you are and you're going to smash them all and you're going to break the course record. But it's more important to have control over what's going inside, the inner arrogance, the inner confidence that's also not impacted by any external, okay, not impacted by what anyone else says, actually not impacted too much by the score that you shot that day or where that, where that one individual shot finished, but have a little bit more ownership and control over their, their confidence. So, um, you know, the journal, the journal writing process is, is, is a big one as part of the Inside Golf Academy. Anyone that's listening that's enrolled in one of the courses understands um, and, and listen to the podcast understands how much I value the importance of journaling. But just simply, you know, a confidence journal, write down five things that you did every day five specific things that you did and you did well and what you actually did that contributed to that quality of performance. And you just do that pattern, that, that alone. And Herbie said it when he won Dubai last year. I think in his speech he said something like, um, you know, he did some good work with me that week. As cliche as it sounds, just writing down a lot of positive things. All we basically got him to do was just write down three things that he did well that day. What he, did he do that helped trigger that response? And then I got him to watch a highlight reel for 15 minutes every night. So he'd get up on YouTube, type in Lucas Herbert, Australian Open playing with Jason Day, 
and just watch all these really cool highlights of him performing at a high level. And that's that's all you need to do. Yeah. Everything will happen in the background. The neuroplast the neuroplasticity component will start to create the change and the shift in your mind um, by itself. As long as you just stick to these processes, let those processes get absorbed in the brain, the neuroplasticity component will just look after itself. So we obviously being in golfing wonderland at Barnburgle, we I had the camera out, you know, and anyone knows me and follows me on my Instagram, they know that, you know, they're likely to see a couple of things. Me trying to take a creative photo of a golf hole or me posting a usually a driver swing. But I had the camera yep. out and, and was making some video stuff for the for all the guys. Would you know the highlight reel, could someone in a practice round, would you recommend making their own highlight reel? You know, putting themselves under that positive pressure of having the camera on and, and forcing a little bit of that sort of process and commitment and, you know, trying to put themselves in that position where they, you know, want to hit a good shot to look good, yeah. whether they share it or not, but, you know, yeah. that they can review that. Is that a good thing to do? Yeah, I definitely think that um, from a from a highlight reel point of view, obviously us club level golfers, we don't have the luxury of being on YouTube. And if we are on YouTube, it's probably not because we did something well. So um, be able to go out for nine holes, get a camera and a tripod, and then just record yourself playing golf. Record all the good shots that you hit, delete all the ones you're not happy with, and just create this little highlight reel of your of your own of your own golf. Um, I think that is is very very you know powerful. Together with a couple of like say nine holes two ball best ball and nine holes two ball worst ball, where you're actually activating some of that competitive stress, some of the patterns that you need under a competitive situation, and then film yourself in the different situations and circumstances you can even talk to the camera and say what position you're in then go and perform and you're not going to nail every one of them but there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there for you to create your own little highlight reel and um, start to create that uh, that sort of you know positive memory of what you're able to achieve it's really interesting because you know i know i know how that feels and i know how hard i've worked away from you know that type of tall poppy type thing and um it's really it's really really important to at least understand that it is a pattern it is behavior and um you know it's behavior that you can practice it's behavior that you can change and in that in that behavior that you can change you know it's never too late to be able to change it you know like me approaching my age i'm still golf is an eternal development for me you know it's just a lifelong lifelong opportunity to get better at something and to to improve and, and in a sporting way in a healthy way and you know, I've chosen that I want to play golfers as best as best as I possibly can with that, without putting, you know, without not having fun, but I want to get better at it. doesn't matter what, what age I'm approaching or, or not, but uh, you know, I'm just saying that these patterns, you know, you can, you can learn to change these patterns. You can, but in, influence how they come in and out of your sort of thought process while you are playing golf and, and going around with the camera, it's actually a more common thing these days when you go to the range and, and driving ranges, yeah, you will see people videoing their, their swings and, yeah. you know, and, and that's because they're listening to people like yourself and listening to their coaches and their coaches are listening to people like yourself and then coaching them on those techniques. And it's not uncommon for me yeah. to swing golf down at the, at the store to see two or yeah. three, you know, young guys and girls with their phone up on the, on the, um, on the bench behind them videoing their swings yeah. because yeah. they, they yeah. want that positive confirmation and affirmation that the work that they're putting in, is working. Yeah. And I want to see the good ones. Yeah. I want to hit the sound. You know, all of those triggers for, you know, olfactory, kinesthetic, you know, auditory. Yeah. They want to see and feel all that, and they want to be able to relive it so it keeps keeps fresh. Yeah. And I think that 
the easiest example I can sort of give, and we'll use the tall poppy syndrome and let's say the, the, the American mindset, but we know people in Australia that have that American mindset, that American approach. It's not a, it's not a nationality sort of a thing. It's more of just a, there's probably more people built in the US that are built that way. But the easy example I can give is when you play with, so I've got a bunch of uh, mates that are American and we'll play golf and they're, you know, mid, mid, mid handicappers, um, but we'll play around the golf and they might've shot an average score, let's say, you know, 92 um, and they're a 15 marker. So they've shot five or six worse than their handicap. We'll go in after the round and have a few beers and they'll just start reeling off. They'll talk about all the good shots they hit. Now I'm like, oh, obviously I was engaged in that because that's, that's so much better. But in Australia, after a round of golf, I'm going to say a high percentage of people will sit there and have a beer and, oh, my God, today could have been good. I can't believe I doubled the third and tripled the fourth. And they go over all the shitty things that happened in around the golf. Like, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Now, again, we look at the we look at the system. The U.S. have a different system to we do at a club level. They don't really have club comps over there. Their gimmies and all that sort of stuff. Their handicaps probably aren't quite as strict and rigid or as accurate as what ours are. So, their consequence for their game, their outcome isn't anywhere near as severe or as, you know, doesn't have the consequence that we do in Australia because every card gets put in, the handicap gets put out. Um, but again, it's all about the environments that they're in are facilitating a better quality way of thinking versus here where it's just, I just feel like we are a lot more attached to the negatives and we we don't pat ourselves on the back as much we don't think about the good things that happen during a round of golf um we prefer to you know prefer to attach ourselves to you know what went wrong and talk ourselves down a bit and all that sort of stuff and obviously there's a healthy balance but i think there's probably a lot more people listening to this episode that are going yeah i probably kick myself way too often when you know i've also got the opportunity to feed myself some confidence and tell myself that i you know pay attention to some of the good things that happen during a round of golf. And again, from the neuroplasticity point of view, that will completely change the way the brain functions and the way your mind works. And over time, the patterns will change. Yeah. So, um, yeah. As I said before, I can attest, I can attest to, to that, you know, like my patterns of talk and behavior have definitely changed in the last two years. Definitely hundred yeah. percent. And that's just by being in a different learning different mind frame and doing some of the things that you talked about, you know, some of that positive journaling, some of that affirmation, some of you know, the, the, the video, some of the, the, the points of reference for positive outcomes and not negative outcomes. So it's really, really, yeah. really, really valuable. Just uh, summarizing a couple of things happening, starting to do a little bit more Instagram live and maybe doing some live lessons. Is that true? Yes. We uh, came up with an idea the other day after we had a chat, I sort of sat there and went, you know what? I think we could do this. And then we chatted about it and nutted it out a bit. Um, basically, the mental mastery of golf TV. So it's going to be uh, an Instagram live session where once a week I will have a 20 or 30-minute live session with one of the members of the Inside Golf Academy. So someone that is enrolled in one of the paid courses on the Inside Golf Academy and has gone into that learning and development phase of the mental game we're going to have a, a live session on Instagram where we ask them about their learnings, ask them about their questions, their journey with the mental game. And all the Instagram followers 
can actually tune in and, um, and, and ask questions along the way that I will sort of, I suppose, interrupt to a certain degree where we're going with the conversation, answer a question, and then just keep unpacking that learning from that Insight, uh, Insight Golf Academy member. So um, just a weekly episode where people can tune in live or they can watch the replay later on um, on my feed. Um, and just, I don't know, just for me, it felt like this is a really dynamic way to connect with the community uh, and, and the followers and, and the, the, the golfers just in a way that's not being done. Yeah. Well, and from my perspective, you know, it's it's a way of confirming, you know, the value of participating in the Insight Golf Academy and, and what value does exist in those, you know, very easy to operate and, and yeah. programs. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, not everyone has the luxury of getting access, you know, to you for the time that, you know, they may or may, may want. Um, yeah. You know, like a lot of high level coaching, it's, it, there's an investment attached, but the Insight Golf Academy gives you access to that. And then, you know, us bringing some of those participants over to this live lesson environment, you know, and we'll work yeah. out you know, who gets that opportunity and that sort of thing. There'll, there'll be a strategy behind that. Yeah. It, it's just going to reinforce the value of, you know, jumping into that and then joining us on that learning journey. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we started with the, with the podcast, um, you know, a bit over a year ago now, it was about how can, for me anyway, I never want money to be the determining factor whether a golfer can engage in this type of, of coaching because, you know, the mental game of golf is, is, is not only important to help people break through and, and, and achieve better results, but ultimately the number one priority is making sure people enjoy their golf you know, manage stress, pressure, anxiety, learn how to detach from stress and anxiety of the real world and not drag it to the golf course. So, you know, now we've got a variety of different ways that they can access this content for free through the podcast and through the free video program on the Inside Golf Academy, the mental game must-dos. Um, and then we've got the, the courses. Um, I was just... Uh, announced too during the week that I'm the first mental performance coach on the Skillis platform, which is a remote online golf coaching platform. So people can, you know, access some one-on-one -on -one coaching with me via the different service offerings um, on Skillis at different price points. You know, you can have a one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, typically it's a swing analysis, but you can have a one-on-one -on -one routine analysis. Um, you can upload a video where you're asking me three questions around your mental game, what you're experiencing. So you can upload a 10-minute video asking me questions, and I'll come back and give you some advice, some exercises, some drills to work on, and, and what are the next steps? Um, you know, all as all part of a very, very affordable pricing structure that, you know, we, uh, we're just trying to offer as much of this content to people of all different price points Um because as you say, it's uh, it's not that easily to access, uh, easy to access this type of information, whether it be from a location point of view or a financial point of view. Well, I just spent two and a half days, ninety-four holes of golf with uh, three other gentlemen who, you know, all openly admit that they need that sort of learning, and uh, at some point, you know, have accessed uh, the free content. But they all acknowledge that they could do with a lot more direct learning in in this space so um yeah. hopefully we get a few more clients out of those guys but you know that's just a sample which I, I think is fairly representative of a lot of golfers out there yeah um, yeah, yeah for sure and we for always sure. as you said we always just you know, when we started this it was always about making you know your work more accessible and and i think we're well and truly on that pathway so, so yeah cool. yeah and what we can do is probably announce that uh tomorrow morning so it'll be saturday morning the 20th of March at 8.30 Melbourne and Sydney time, we'll be doing that first uh, Mental Mastery uh, Golf TV episode. So um, 
we have a really cool guest. I'm not going to tell anyone who it is. Uh, the, the podcast may not be out by that time, but um, uh, if it is, you can tune in tomorrow morning. Um, it's or just jump on my Instagram and, and go back and watch it. Um, it'll be a really cool, uh, really cool conversation. This uh, this guest is um, yeah, he's going to be a, a very interesting guest for people to listen to. And and as you say, this isn't a once-off. This is something that's going to be a regular feature of the work that you do put out there, Jamie. So uh, if you do listen to this after that episode's live, go back and get it. But there's always going to be someone new coming on and through that free and and live. uh, And that can be be you as well. If you sign up to the Inside Golf Academy, purchase one of the courses, then you will also get a chance to be uh, one of those guests on the the TV show uh, moving forward. So... Very good, mate. Well, I think uh, unless there's anything else, I think we've we've caught up. We've uh, digested right. what's been going on in your world and my world over the last few days for me and five weeks or so for you. You've yeah. got another another seven days up there of planning, preparing, and uh, getting ready to go up and back home and get back to work up there at KDV where, where you're doing some face-to-face work. And I think yeah. we'll see you down in Melbourne again at some stage fairly shortly as well. Yeah, looking forward to getting down there in maybe, maybe three or four weeks' time and uh, hopefully get a, uh, another couple of hits out at the beautiful PK. So, um, yeah, so that's great. But, uh, no, look, great to catch up again, mate, and uh, look forward to jumping on another episode soon and um, looking forward to getting that uh, Mental Mastery TV up and running. Well, very good. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support with the podcast. It buys us both away to see that it continually is up there in the charts and not that we're doing it for rankings and all that sort of thing, but it's means that, that you're listening to it and getting some value from it, that it's always up there in that sort of top 10, top 15 in the Australian podcast charts. Just uh, blows us away that um, it's going so well. So thank you for your support. Share it with your friends. Tell anyone. And uh, we'd really, really appreciate that if you could help us out by doing that. And until next time. A rating and a review, Roscoe, that wouldn't be too much to ask of the people. Oh, all of that, Jamie. I think everyone that listens to podcast <laughs> these days are pretty familiar with uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, share download and um you know give us a thumbs up wherever possible um I love it. whatever whatever you choose to do we, we do appreciate you uh for tuning in so jamie until next time i'll see you on the uh, mental mastery golf podcast again thanks roscoe thanks for listening to the mental mastery golf podcast by dare to dream